And it is the story of Jesus that brings us here today, and it's the story of Jesus that gives us hope in the face of life itself. It's the story of Jesus that gives us courage in the deepest darkness of death. It's the story of Jesus that comes alive to us, especially at Christmas. We hear the story of Jesus throughout the songs of Christmas that we sing like Silent Night. As we hear the third verse of Silent Night, Silent Night, Holy Night, Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of amazing grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. That holy night that Christ was born was the night where God's great love pierced the darkness of this difficult, dark scene of humanity. But to understand love's pure light, to understand Christmas itself, we need to understand more of Jesus. We need to understand the sacrifice that God's love has made. Love's sacrifice is heard in the tune and the tones underneath the lyrics of Christmas found in Matthew chapter 1. It's the tune and the tone of sacrifice. That is, after all, what love is all about, regardless of what you and I might hear, sung, or read. Love is not about a feeling that we feel, nor is it about an energizing bunny awakened in our gut. Love is not about places we go or presents we receive. Now, love, true love, every time I say true love, I want to go back to a movie called The Princess Bride, Marriage of a Couple. Love, true love. Some of y'all got ahead of me on that a little bit. That's, that's another fun movie to watch. Y'all will watch that. It's a good movie. But anyway, when we talk about true love, True love is self-giving love, not self-serving. True love is, is sacrificial. It's about what we give, not what we receive. That's what true love is about. And so when we think about love's pure light, God's love invading the darkness of our lives, then, then it's important for us to understand it, it is love that is displayed preeminently through sacrifice. As we come to Matthew chapter 1, we hear the, the tone of, of that sacrificial love as we celebrate the good news of God's sacrificial love that has come to set us free. That's, that's what Christmas celebrates, did you know? Christmas doesn't celebrate Santa Claus. Santa Claus is a nice thing, but, but that's not the reason that we celebrate at Christmas. Christmas doesn't celebrate candy canes, although candy canes are nice. Hey, this, the reason we celebrate is not candy canes. So Christmas is not the celebration of a new present that that I've received, although presents are nice to give and to receive, but that's not the reason uh, we celebrate at Christmas. Christmas is, is, is celebrates one thing, and that is God's sacrificial love invading the darkness of our despair and, and giving us 
hope and life. It's, it's, it's God's love sacrificing to set us free, and it takes sacrifice to set us free. When we are swallowed up in the distress of days that devour our peace and our hope and our comfort and our joy, we need to hear again and again this good news that comes from God's love. We need to soak in this good news of God's love that has come to set us free and continues to set us free. Listen to the tone of love's sacrifice underneath the lyrics of Christmas as the angel comes to Joseph. You know, Joseph had heard that Mary was going to have a baby, and he knew that the baby wasn't his, and, 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 and Mary said it wasn't any man's. And, and so Joseph, being a just man, wanting to not shame her publicly, wanting to be a, uh, be a, a good guy and not wanting to bring her in front of the whole town, he, he thought of ways how he could put her away, you know, divorce, remove the engagement that they're in, how he could, he could set that aside without causing her greater pain or shame. And, and so uh, as, as he lays his head on a pillow uh, with dreams of, of uh, nightmarish dreams of losing the one he's loved, the angel of the Lord comes and gives him a vision. And he begins to speak in this vision He says, Joseph, son of David, this is verse 20, Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will deliver his people from their sins. Now, all this was spoken so that might be fulfilled that which spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, And a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. So we look at this passage, we unpack it. I just, I just want you to get hold of a couple of things. And when we celebrate Christ at Christmas, and when we come to Christmas, and we have the scene of the nativity in prominent display uh, in, our, in our homes or uh, even in our businesses, when we have uh, in front of churches, you have the, the scene of the nativity there. The nativity is always covered by the shadow of the cross. The nativity is not the completion of the story. In fact, the goal of the nativity is the cross. You need to understand the goal of Jesus coming wasn't so that we could have new songs to sing at Christmas time. The goal of Jesus coming wasn't so that we could have a, a special day where we cook turkeys and, and eat uh, 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 Christmas meals. I think of desserts when I think of Christmas. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't think much about the meat or the food. I, I, I'm, I, I think of the chocolate pie or the, or the chocolate chip cookies or the chocolate chip cookies or the chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking about those things, you know, I, but... but But when we think of Christmas, the goal of Christmas is not even an opportunity to get our families together, although that's great. The goal of Christmas is the death of Jesus on a cross. That was the purpose. That was the plan. If we take the cross out of Christmas, we've lost the substance, the foundation of the story. God sent Jesus on a rescue mission. 
That's why he said to Joseph, you're going to call his name Jesus. Jesus is God himself come to save us. Jesus, the very name in Hebrew means that God will save. Jesus is God's rescuer. For sinners like you and me, he's come to our rescue. When we think of Christmas, we need to think not primarily about eggnog or fruitcake. When we think of Christmas, we need to think not primarily about Christmas trees or lights. When we think about Christmas, we shouldn't think primarily about the sounds and the special songs that surround us. And nothing's wrong with any of those things. Don't mistake me. I love those things. The problem is when I replace Jesus with those things. Jesus becomes a footnote to Christmas. It was never intended to be that way. Here's a good clue. I can't have Christmas until I go to a certain event. If that's the case, then you've replaced Jesus. You've lost Jesus at the feast. I can't have Christmas until I sing a certain song. If that's the case, you've lost Jesus at the feast. I can't have Christmas until I hear Pastor Eric speak his Christmas Eve sermon. Real talk, I've never heard anybody say that. (laughs) Nor will I ever. But just suppose you're one of those rare creatures. If it takes you hearing me speak a a Christmas Eve message for you to experience Christmas, you've replaced Jesus and you've lost him at the feast. See, all we need is Jesus to celebrate Christmas. All the other stuff are add-ons. We get in trouble when we start thinking that Jesus is the add-on. And what we really need is all the other stuff. As we come here today, I, I want us to be captured again by the reason we have Christmas in the first place. That Jesus has come to save us. That the rescuer has come. He's come to save us. Save us from what? And maybe the reason some of us miss Christmas is because we just don't need, we need some saving. Jesus is called Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Sin. Until we feel the full weight of our sin, we'll miss the greatest celebration of Jesus at Christmas. Some of us have spent a lifetime minimizing our sin while maximizing the crimes of others. We minimize our own sinfulness inside of a holy God. And, 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 and some of us have spent uh, our lifetime trying to, 
trying to make up for our sin by coming to events like this or a Christmas Eve service or, or, or doing good things at Christmas and feeding the poor, going to soup kitchen. We do all these things and we say, hey, that ought to make up for that lying I did back when I was an eight. Uh, eight years old, and, and, and I had been burning matches and trying to light the wood slats of my bed on fire and burn the hair off my G.I. Joe, and my mama came up, and she vacuumed underneath my bed, and she started rattling up those uh, spent wooden matches up into the vacuum cleaner, and I was standing there, and, and I heard the noise, and I knew what it was, and my mama said, Eric, uh, or, or uh, whoever this boy was, she said, she said Eric, uh, are these matches your? These are mar- matches, and, and you've been, somebody's been burning matches up here. Is it you? And I I said, no, it's not me. It's my brother, Brett. I actually didn't say that. I said, maybe Brett did it. Now, that's a sin. But we giggle about it, right? I mean, that's a funny thing. It wasn't funny then. And it shouldn't really be all that funny today. I think sometimes we giggle at our sin because we've forgotten how much our sin devastates a holy God. Just the minorest of sins devastates the holy heart of God. How sin devastates and destroys. We've forgotten that it's my sin. No matter how small or slight I think my sin may be, it is my sin that has created a chasm between me and a holy God and makes me unfit for heaven. And there is no amount of church going, there is no amount of Christmas cheer, there is no amount of celebration, morality, I'm born in America and I like the flag and apple pie. None of that is going to make up for the sin. I can't be Baptist enough to make up for the sin that I've committed. I can't claim my parents as Baptist people or I, 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 I can't say, well, I had a Methodist uh, preacher and, and, and my, my, my daddy was a deacon and my, my cousins, they're all Pentecostal preachers. I, I, I can't claim any of that as sufficient to make up for the sin in my life. I'm dying. I'm dead. My sin has killed me. And it's true for you too. And until we understand our desperation for, before a holy God, we fail to understand the significance of a Savior who has come to rescue us. Maybe today you need to be awakened again to the lostness that your sin has created. Not your goodness, but your lostness. And God in his great love saw us in our lostness and he sent Jesus to bridge the gap. He sent Jesus who was sinless, who was perfect, of the Holy Spirit, born to this woman named Mary in, a, in an immaculate kind of way. This, this great, grand, miraculous birth. Jesus shrinking his deity, God himself becoming flesh and bone so that he might live his life in perfection. The only one of humanity who is fit for heaven is Jesus. We're just fit for death. But in a great transaction of God's grace, Jesus reversed it. In this great transaction of God's grace, this great act act of, of sacrificial love, God reversed it. And he took sinners 
who are unfit for heaven, and he took a Savior who was unfit for death. And he switched places. And it's through the death of Jesus on a cross that he provides a pathway for me to be forgiven my sin. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's love's sacrifice. Jesus came to rescue us. And that's what we celebrate, that the king has loved us so much that he would die in our place upon a cross. Love's sacrifice is a picture of Jesus dying for sinners. A death that we deserved, he took for himself so that he might plant upon us a righteousness that we could never earn. Jesus and Jesus alone makes us fit for heaven. That's the point of Christmas. And we get so distracted by so many other things that we lose Jesus at the feast. When we come to Christmas, my prayer is that we would understand all that Jesus has done for us, how that God has spanned the horizon of eternity to bring himself to us. In John chapter 10, verses 10 and 11, Jesus, in his own words, tells us about love's sacrifice. Now, I want you to hear his words, John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11. Jesus said, the thief, he's talking about the enemy, he's talking about the devil. He said, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Now verse 11. The good she- I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Do you realize Jesus gave his life so that you would live? So that you might be forgiven of your sins, so that you might find friendship with God. Ephesians chapter 2.18 tells us that it is through Jesus and the shedding of his blood and, and, and the sacrifice that he has made it is through Jesus that we now can, can come 
and have access to God the Father by his spirit. It's it's only through Jesus that we now can enter into the family of God. But because of Jesus, I am now fit for heaven, not through the works that I have done or will ever do, but all because God is with me. Jesus has forgiven me through his own sacrifice. And if you're here today and that is your claim, You have turned from your sin and you've trusted in Jesus. You have experienced that transaction of God's merciful grace. If if you're here today and the the tune and and the sounds and the sights of Christmas all center around Jesus, the Savior, then in a moment, we're going to take the elements of a supper, the communion meal, And we're going to lean into love's sacrifice. We're going to hold it symbolically in our hands. And we're going to celebrate. The whole story of Christmas is that God is no longer living in isolation from us. But that he has moved with great power through time and eternity to shower his love upon us. We once were surrounded by the wintry landscape of shadows and death, but God sends Jesus on a mission to invade the darkness of our lives with his light to bring the glorious grace of God to set us free. The the same good news that rescues us from the plight and the guilt of our sin is, is, is the same good news that immerses us in the truth that God is with us here and now, right here, right now. So we celebrate. Before Christ came into your life, you knew only the power of a broken heart, the dreary landscape of a hopeless, loveless, lifeless existence, festering wounds of a soul unhealed, the captivity that binds us to the failures of our past, and the deathly march of mourning that defines our everyday journey. That's what our life was before Christ came. But because of love's sacrifice, because Jesus is the Savior who rescues us from our sin, because we by faith repented our sin and trusted in Jesus, because this great transaction of grace today, the thrill of joy is ours. Christmas has come, and it's an everyday deal. So as we prepare to take communion, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have crossed that line of faith and you have tasted that newness of life that Jesus provides, if, if you've experienced forgiveness forever for your sin because Jesus took your place of pain and punishment and he paid the price that your sin demanded, if that's who you are, then in a moment our men are going to pass the elements of the supper and I invite you to take the bread, a picture of Christ's body broken to make you whole. I'm going to invite you to take the cup, a picture of Christ's blood shed for you to forgive your sin. I'm going to invite you to hold them in your hand and take time to think on Jesus, to praise Jesus, to worship Jesus.
Jesus, to adore him, celebrate Christmas. Then after everyone is served, I'll lead us together as a body of believers to eat the bread and drink the cup. So now, Father, in this moment, I pray that you would take hold of our hearts and speak to us. That as we take communion, that that the communion meal would mean more than just another tradition that we follow, but that it would define for us the essence and the substance of Christmas itself. Now speak to your people and give us the hope and the joy that comes from a life immersed in you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.